everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Leaders Corner, hosted by me, Allison, and me, Renee, from Leaders Fluent. In this podcast, we delve into the world of business, leadership, and entrepreneurship. And today, we are very happy to be joined by the founder of Algae, Alessandra. Hello, thank you so much for having me. All right, so to start off this episode, uh, we'd love to learn a little bit about you. Uh, so my name is Alessandra. I'm the co-founder of Algae, and at Algae, we create delicious, purpose-driven food products centered around spirulina algae. I am a master's student at McGill University. I'm completing my master's in exercise physiology, specifically looking at uh, bone health. And I completed my undergrad at Queen's University, uh, also in kinesiology. Um, so I have a very science, exercise-heavy, focused background, and a lot of my interests kind of lie within that in terms of I really like being active, going for hikes, going for runs, um, working out. Um, I started algae, so this is very left field starting algae uh, because it is a kind of sustainability and a food business, um, but it really started out of kind of a personal problem that I was experiencing and uh, kind of grew from there into, into what it's, it is today and what we hope it will eventually grow into. And we would love to know more about your business and what your business model is. Yeah, so we create food products that are centered around spirulina algae. And we chose spirulina algae for a few reasons. One, it has a lot of benefits, uh, nutritional benefits. So it's really high in complete protein. Uh, it's actually 70% complete protein by weight. One teaspoon of spirulina gives you 8% of your daily iron. And it's really high in a lot of things like omegas, B vitamin complexes, uh, and so much more. And what's really great about that is a lot of those nutrients are things we typically think of getting from meat and animal products. Um, and so this is a plant-based source that's really high in all of these things. It also has a lot of health benefits. And as well, it's really beneficial for the planet uh, because it has a really negligent resource demand, which means it doesn't use a lot of land. It doesn't use a lot of water. The water actually gets reused. So there isn't that waste of water that you'd see in kind of typical agriculture. And it has a two to one carbon capture, which means every gram of spirulina, it produces two grams of oxygen and consumes two grams of carbon dioxide. And then the final reason we chose it is it has a very high yield. So it can go from farm to table in eight hours, which means you're able to kind of grow a lot very quickly and very easily. And so we, we discovered spirulina algae and discovered the amazing benefits that it has, and then very quickly realized that no one was doing anything with algae-based products. And we saw this gap in the market, and we'd see there's, there's all these claims about algae is the food of the future, we're all going to be eating algae. I mean, they're doing tests like NASA is looking at it to feed astronauts on Mars. And yet there's nothing right now that's available to the everyday consumer. And we saw this gap and we were like, huh, myself, I'm anemic and I'm allergic to soy. And in my personal journey into sustainability, I was really trying to find ways that I could be more sustainable. And it really came down to the way that I was eating. But because I'm anemic and allergic to soy, the alternatives that were available at the time even still a little bit now, there's more products available now, but especially when we started, I couldn't eat most of them. So I was either having to choose between being plant-based or between my health. Uh, and it was a very difficult choice to make. And I kind of flip-flop back and forth and wouldn't stick to anything. And my co-founder, Devin, he's vegan and was really unsatisfied because he, he found that 
the plant-based alternatives were either focusing on taste or sustainability or kind of the ingredient list. And there was nothing that really met all of those needs for him. And so from there, that's where the idea of algae came from. And that's really how we started. So our, our first product is the Impact Bar, which is an energy bar made with spirulina algae. And we hope to eventually create a wide variety of food products centered around algae that make it easy for consumers to eat sustainably. That's amazing. I love to hear about all the different business ideas, especially yours that are really targeting sustainability, especially like in 2021. That's such a huge issue. And we would also love to hear a little bit about how you got started in the uh, energy bar market and how you really took off. Yeah. So when we first discovered spirulina algae and its potential, um, our initial idea, because we were both students and I mean, we still are students, but our initial idea was let's make ramen noodles because as students, we eat a lot of ramen. We know a lot of people who eat a lot of ramen because it's, it's cheap and it's easy and it's quick, but there's no nutritional value. So we were like, what if we make ramen noodles with spirulina? Like we could make so much, like so many people would just jump on that because it's, it's easy and quick, but you're also getting that. And so we, with no food experience and no food background, we, we went into our kitchen and we just started literally YouTubing how to make ramen noodles. And we, we tried and we tried incorporating the spirulina into it. And we made them like quite successfully. We could make them really well. We would eat them. Definitely needed some fine tuning on taste, but they worked. And we we're like, this is great. And I'm like, now we need people to try it. And so we started looking into how do you actually like dry the noodles to share with people because we could eat them fresh, but how do you actually like preserve them even for a few days? And we were just so unsuccessful because it was just so hard. And our we were going to farmer's markets to kind of validate this idea. And then we we're like, how do we get people at farmer's markets to even eat these noodles? And we're like, well, we don't even need to know yet if people want the noodles. What we need to know is will people eat these algae-based food products? So we made a wide variety of different food products. We made hummus, cookies, nacho chips, pasta, like literally everything and anything that we could think of that we could put algae into and took them to farmer's markets where they were a lot more bite-sized, especially like the nacho chips. We had like little bags of chips that people could, could try. And we were like, okay, this is our idea. This is what it is. This is what spirulina is because most people had no idea what it was. And we tell them that and we get them to try the product and they'd be like, yeah, this is good. And then we, we'd say, this is what spirulina is. And we'd bring a bag of spirulina and say, this is what it was. And when you smell it, it does not smell very good, just the powder on its own. And they were like, oh my God, and you made this, this is amazing. And we're like, yes. And people were expressing a lot of interest. And so we're like, this is great. So we had kind of that validation idea, but then we, we had the same problem of, we don't know how to make ramen noodles. And we're just kind of two students starting out. We weren't quite ready to hire a food scientist yet. And, and after talking to people as well, they were like, you know, you've told me what spirulina is. I definitely like it. I don't know that I'm comfortable eating an entire like ramen meal with spirulina. Like I'm okay with like a snack, but not a whole meal yet. And that's really where the bar evolved from uh, just because we needed something quick and easy. Um, and actually what happened is we, we were invited to go to this food conference in Seattle. We were named one of the food of the future companies. And we were like, we don't have anything to bring bars seem pretty easy to make like people will make them for themselves all the time we're sure we can like in in like three days we had to whip up something to bring to this this event and came up with the bars and just got such positive feedback from this event that we were like okay I think this is the way to go 
And that's really how we got started on the bars. It's definitely not where we want to stay. The bar market is very competitive and we don't feel like we can make as big of an impact as we'd like to just in bars. But for us, it's the perfect introductory product to introduce spirulina to the world and get people eating it before we start with some more adventurous and innovative products. Wow, what a journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see, you know, what you have in the future with your business. So finding your target market as a business can be obviously difficult at times. How did you figure out your target market? For us, it was really when we were at these farmers markets and different food vessels talking to people, once we had kind of validated the idea, we started really characterizing the different people that we were talking to and asking them a little bit more questions about themselves and kind of what needs they would have for this product and how they would, would be using it. And from there, we were actually able to identify kind of five key segments of people who, who would benefit most from it and who would be kind of interested, which was really valuable because I think we had no idea where to start because I think everyone can benefit in some way from, from spirulina and from our products, but we needed to find that perfect first fit to kind of get people like who would adopt it. Um, and so that's really where we started. And from being able to talk to people, we were able to identify those demographics and then did a lot of like market research into figuring out who would actually be that best first key segment. Um, and from there, we really evolved. And then we actually went and focused in on talking to those people specifically. So right now, as our beachhead market, we're ta targeting endurance athletes. So people who kind of we're, we're based in Canmore, Alberta. So really that's like a key location for all the people who, you know, trail running, marathons, triathlons, mountain biking, skiing in the winter, like great, great area. So we're really tapping into that market um, and able to kind of go and talk to those people was really key for us last summer and really helping to clearly define who that beachhead market is. Yeah, that's super important. I think that's a great idea targeting athletes. I know, especially like a lot of athletes are vegan or they're just looking for healthy options or a lot of them are obviously iron deficient. You were saying before, Spirulina has a ton of that. So I'm sure like as an athlete myself, I would definitely use something like that. And of course, as an e-commerce based business, it can be pretty hard to reach these segments. So we were wondering what marketing strategies you use to reach your target audience effectively. This is, this is a hard question because I don't know that we've quite figured that out ourselves. When we last summer was really when we were trying to focus in on who our market was. And so we were going to a lot of different events and going from there to try to build that brand awareness. Um, and we were running some ads as well, but we found that we weren't able to target the ads specifically enough to really get the kind of ROI that we were hoping for. Um, this summer, our plan is to go to a lot of different events. Now that we really have a clear idea of who our market is, is go to, you know, these races and, and events that are going to be happening in the Rockies and really being able to target that people for us. That's really important in the food industry. The way that you kind of grow your brand awareness and get customers is by people sampling. And so that's why when you go into grocery stores is often a little booth set up and people are trying things. But with COVID, we're not able to do that. So we've had to get really creative in how we can do that. Last summer, we actually offered completely free samples of the bar through our website. So we'd post an ad and, and people could just go in, put their mailing address in. We didn't charge for the bar. We didn't charge for shipping. And the, the kind of trade-off you get with that is we definitely had a lot of interest, but the quality of, of customers that you're getting from that, because it's completely free, anyone would put their name down for a free bar. And so the quality of that wasn't as good. So 
we had to kind of think about that a little bit. And actually now we charge for shipping of the bar, which it's a, it's $3.50. It's a very small investment, but it, it has increased the quality of people that we're getting and people who are interested in actually trying the bar to help increase that. So that's one of the ways we've kind of gotten around that trial usage COVID sampling issue is really trying to offer that online finding you know since we know we're using athletes where do they get their information from and starting to kind of go from there so that we're really at the source of their information we are also uh establishing store relationships so we are actually going to be in stores this summer which is just a big win for us because it's something we've been naively trying to do since day one um, and now it's finally happening so that's really great so we're not we will not strictly be an e-commerce business anymore, um, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, so we but we definitely had to start as an e-commerce business in order to get the traction to be able to get store accounts. Yeah, honestly, marketing is all about, you know, adapting to situations and constant research. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And yeah, continue doing that. And I'm sure your yeah. business is going to soar. Yeah, I would also say too, one kind of piece that I, I didn't really mention, but for us, because we're using spirulina and it is so novel, um, right now, spirulina in the market is really seen as a supplement. So people add it to their smoothies and that's kind of it. And people don't think about it as a, a food product. So for us, there's that whole extra key piece of education that's so important. It's like an extra layer onto that marketing and sales funnel, just because we have to tell people what it is and why they should care and why they should eat it before we can even start trying to convince them to try our product and to use our product. So um, that that has been so key and really trying to leverage blogs and social media to and, and kind of we have an ambassador network to help with that piece as well. I was just going to say, it's definitely like intimidating at first, I guess, because it's like algae. Um, I've definitely tried it at my work. I work at an ice cream shop and we were having like a limited edition, like vegan soft serve and it had spirulina in it. So it was blue and all the yeah. customers were like, why is it blue? And I got to yeah. explain it's algae, but it's good for you, you know? Well, and like, I think people like it's used as like, like it's used when you see natural colorant, if it's blue or green, it likely has spirulina. That's the colorant because it, they just extract the pigments, the colored pigments. Mm. Um, so people are like, they're eating it a lot. And anytime you go to like a smoothie shop, like there's, and there's a green smoothie, like it probably has a, just a dash of spirulina in it um, for the green color. But that's what we were like. We were just like, like, why are we the ones? you know, the fact that no one else is doing it, like, what are we missing for us to, to, it was just like, whoa, so. Yeah, and uh, going off of that, well, at this point, we know that Algae is a sustainable brand, and we were wondering if you could talk a bit about what your brand has done to become sustainably friendly, <laughs> um, and you can also talk about what you think the importance of a sustainable brand is. Yeah, I think sustainability is such a key topic right now. And it's so important. We're really seeing, you know, consumer behavior is really shifting towards wanting that more eco-friendly, sustainable, responsible production. Um, and so it's a really big trend. And I think a lot of big companies as well are kind of trying to hop on that and, and setting goals. Um, but there's a lot of, I would say, green marketing. Um, and so as a consumer myself, even Clothes is a really big one for me. I used to shop a lot and I'm really trying to, you know, be smart about it and not buying anything unless I really need something and really selectively choosing where I shop from. And it's so confusing and it's so difficult. So I think 
it's a hot topic and everyone's trying to get on it. But you, I think in the next few years, we will really start to see a difference between the companies who are truly doing something. And I think they will rise above just because it's what consumers want um, than others. And so for us, it's been really, really key from day one to try to be sustainable in every aspect of our business model as possible. So from packaging to uh, production to the ingredients that we're using, uh, it's so important for us. I will definitely say as a small business, it's so hard because one, there's just so much research. Again, you have to filter through all of that noise and find out what is real. And it takes a lot of time. And it's also hard because with, with sustainable products, and again, from both a consumer and a business perspective, these products are always more expensive. Um, so even for us, we are trying to get compostable packaging for our bars. There's one company that we've identified that's doing it. And the cost is so much more than just if we got the recyclable, which isn't even truly that recyclable um, packaging. Like the cost is so substantial, but it's a choice that we've had to make in order to kind of continue with our company ethos and, and align with our company values. And so that's very difficult, especially in the food industry. The margins are so thin and it's just like an extra, you know, those extra few cents really make a big difference. But it's been very important to us that kind of we, we figure that out. So everything from our suppliers to, to, to kind of our production, we're, we're doing our best at this stage. And I think as we continue to do research and we continue to grow, kind of building, continuing to build that out is so important because one, it's the whole reason why we started with spirulina algae in the first place. We really want to make sustainable food accessible to all by not overcharging and not doing that because it's just so important to us that it's not just kind of that upper class, that top percent of people who are able to afford and contribute to that. We want it to be someone, something everyone can do no matter what your kind of situation is. Yeah, for sure. It's great to see how you're like creating tangible ways of making it more eco-friendly. I know a lot of companies, it's become an issue. As a business student, we've learned about this a lot, but there's this thing called like greenwashing. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's where companies are marketing themselves as eco-friendly, but in reality, they're more focusing on making themselves look eco-friendly. Exactly rather than making actual changes that are going to help the earth really great like with your mailers and everything um great to hear yeah like we're really trying like i we would we are definitely not perfect and i it's something i i allocate a little bit of time to every week to actually just do research to like learn about this because it's 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 so hard because as i said like there's so much greenwashing green marketing out there about and you're, you're like, what, what, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's, we're definitely not perfect and we're definitely not where we want to be, but it's just something we want to continuously evolve to until, until we, we hit our goals. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that research is a really important aspect when you're creating a business. And we were wondering if you could take us through the research project while you were developing algae. Yeah. So I guess the very first research project that just to get algae started was figuring out like what the heck spirulina algae was and is it safe for humans if we bake it if we incorporate it into foods like all that just figure out is it safe is it going to maintain its nutrition that was so important because there's really not a lot of research out there about it it's it's been around since forever it's been like literally it's been around forever um but and there's, there's always been a little bit of dabbling of research into it, but it, it took a lot of digging and actually to understand because all of the research really is targeted towards supplementation and putting it into capsules for 
that kind of energy boost it can provide, the health benefits it can provide. Um, so that in itself took a lot of, of time and research to just, you know, being able to go to these farmers markets and confidently say to people, yes, you can actually eat this and it's it's safe and it's good and, and you know, it's not going to kill you or make you sick. Took took weeks. And then I would say myself, I'm a science student. I have no experience in business. So just in then in terms of like, how do you actually get started? What's the first thing you need to do? was a whole nother, nother journey. And I think that that's just never really ended now that I actually, you know, have the business, business up and running, learning about, you know, how to improve all of these different aspects of the business and fill like round out our business model is just kind of a continuously evolving thing. Market research has been a really big thing that I've been looking at lately, which is a whole nother world of research that I'm used to. Um, but it's been so interesting to just see, you know, different trends, different kind of market shares, which I didn't even know there's, there's some things out there. I didn't even know people looked at like the subcategory of the subcategory of the subcategory of, of bars. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so valuable. So I think for me, especially research is kind of very integral piece to our business. And I think as well, as we start to develop more innovative products, just in the actual research and development, because we're starting something that's completely brand new and there's very few companies in the world doing what we're doing and going along the same path that we are. There's going to be a ton more research just in kind of developing products, which I'm pretty excited for because I think that's going to be a really fun and interesting project to work on. And obviously you probably encountered some difficulties along the way. Do you want to just tell us a bit about your difficulties and how you overcame them when, when creating your business? Yeah. So I think just every day and being an entrepreneur, there's, there's always barriers and, and obstacles that are thrown in your way. Um, and it's like, there's so many, you get so many no's, you get so many people telling you like, this isn't a good idea. I'm not interested. And I think that in itself of just kind of literally the day-to-day -day life of being an entrepreneur, um, is, is you just have to persevere. And I think that's so important that you're very passionate about your project and me, especially having this personal why, like, I just personally want my own products because I don't, uh, there's nothing else out there for me. And so for me, that it gets you through those, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I not focusing on school instead? Is this really what I should be doing right now? And then having that kind of personal drive has really helped to kind of get through those rough patches, as well as like having a community has also been so important in my personal journey in entrepreneurship. And then I would say one of our biggest difficulties, we actually started with four co-founders and we're now down to two. Um, we actually had to remove someone from our team, which was a very hard, difficult decision and process to make. Um, it was very much like going through a breakup where you're like, they add some value, but does like the good outweigh the bad? Um, that was a very difficult challenge. And it just took a lot of reflection from the rest of the team to figure out is this what is the best move and just actually having that conversation with them was so difficult but again just I had to talk to a lot of people to make sure we were making the right decision and ultimately we we were and it was the right decision to make but just just kind of believing in yourself trusting your gut and and again that community aspect was so so helpful in in making that decision so those are probably the best, that was probably the biggest challenge and difficulty, but also the biggest learning experience that I've had so far, uh, which, so I mean, good and bad. 
Yeah, that sounds like a really tough decision you'd have to make for the good of your brand ultimately, but it sounds like it's definitely um, led you to more things in the end. And lastly, we would like to end our conversation off by asking, what is the most important piece of advice you would give to somebody who wants to embark into the world of entrepreneurship? Wow, just one, just one piece. Can I, can I give three? If you have more, feel okay. I have, to, I have a top three. Okay. okay. So my number one thing is to just get started. Um, this is not at all where I thought I would be. This is not what I thought I'd be doing. I, I remember thinking to myself, like, why would anyone start a bar company? There's so many bars out there. And here I am. Um, I don't have any business experience. I don't have any food experience. But you just need to get started. Whatever that first step is, you need to start. And, and it doesn't need to be like full time. It doesn't, but just don't wait because there's, there's no, there's, there's nothing good is going to come from waiting. Um, so that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is always, always, always talk to, okay, actually I lied. I only have two pieces of advice. So the first okay. one is the first one is just get started. And then my second one is to always be talking to your customers and to your users because every, that's been so important to us every single step of the way from our initial, like, is, is algae food a good idea to what algae food do we use to right now we have our MVP bar. That's, that was our first product, um, which has since been discontinued because we're launching two new flavors, um, in a month or so, which is really exciting, but you know, even coming up with the, the recipe for that MVP bar, like we didn't just create a bar and send it out. We continued to iterate it for three months before we put it for sale on our website. And we did sell it at different events, but it was, it was to get feedback and to talk to people. And then in developing our new flavors, every single step of the way, every single slight tweak we made to the recipes, we would send it out to kind of our group of people that we had to get feedback, to know, would you eat this? Do you like this? you know, what nutrition do you want? Um, and I think that's so important because you don't want to be creating a product that no one wants or that doesn't fit a need for anybody because then you're not going to have a business. So really getting out there, talking to them, understanding who they are is so important. And I would say get started and then just always talk to your customers throughout. Amazing tips. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I will keep that in mind. Um, and also, uh, I just want to touch upon how you mentioned uh, you have a science background. How exactly did you discover the world of business and how did you learn about all these business concepts? Yeah. So when I was at Queen's University, they had a summer internship program and one of my friends had gone through it and was like, Alessa, you would love this. It would be so great you'd be great at this. And I was like, okay. And I remember like going to the interview for the program being like, I'm just going to get interview practice. Like I'm not actually going to say yes. And then I got it. And I was like, I had two months to say yes to accepting the program. And I, it was down to the minute that I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll just do it. Like whatever. I don't have it. I was, it was after I had graduated before I started my master's. I was like, I don't really have anything else to do this summer. And I was planning on traveling already and I had everything booked so I was like I have nothing else to do this summer like I might as well like learn some new skills because I don't really have anything else to do and I don't want to get like a job waitressing or something so I did this program she really pushed me into it and I had a few other friends kind of earlier on who were kind of like oh well, like you'd be just based off of like my personality I, I don't know why but based off my personality and and kind of how I worked I guess they're like you'd be so good at that and I was like yeah yeah whatever um, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a researcher. Like I was not going to be a business person. And I did this program 
again, didn't, and it was, it was two weeks. Um, the first two weeks were like a boot camp where they taught, they went everything from like, what is design thinking and how do you do it to this is how, what a PL sheet is, which I still don't fully know what a PL sheet is, but I got the introduction um, and just really covered, you know, how to read a term sheet from investors. Like it was such a breadth of, of information and it kind of just brushed on everything. Um, and then they were like, okay, now you have the rest of the summer. Like, here's some seed funding, um, get started, which was, I think, so key because I don't think, I don't know that I would have, have, have just kind of invested my own money in this idea without kind of, sorry, not that I wouldn't have invested my own money, but there was definitely that incentive of I can, it's a low risk of actually starting something and, and playing around with it because the whole idea for me was I'm just going to start this over the summer, work on this project, get some new skills. We'll see at the end of the summer what happens. If, if people don't really like it, we don't get a lot of feedback and traction. I don't have to continue. And I, there wasn't a lot of risk to myself. Um, you know, being a student, it's financials are, are definitely a touchy subject for a lot of people and definitely that de-risking of it, which was really, really great. You definitely can still do it. Just, it was pretty low just to go to bulk barn and get a few ingredients and, and start playing around with things. Definitely low cost from our end, but it definitely just incentivized me. Anyways, so I, I did this program at the end of the summer, just got so much positive feedback and we had kind of applied to a few things over the summer, just being like, we'll see what happens. And just got, again, so much positive feedback. That was when we got invited to go to Seattle for that um, food, food of the future event. Um, we got invited to a pitch competition in Copenhagen for student like startups. So we were like selected as one of 40 teams from around the world, which was just like, okay, maybe we actually do have a really cool idea. Um, and then just when we were at these events, getting all of this positive feedback that we were like, oh, this is, this truly could be something. And then we got a lot of traction. We were really, we were surprised and, and we decided to pursue it because it seemed really good. And I think the rest of the way has just, Devin and I joke about getting an experiential MBA because we're really just figuring it out as we go. We have mentors and we have advisors and we now have a community of people that we can go and ask. But a lot of the times too, it's just us like literally Googling, like, how do you do this? And figuring it out as we go. And I really enjoyed that because I really like learning and discovering new things, just getting new skills. So that's definitely something I've enjoyed. Um, but it truly has just been teach myself, figure it out as you go. We have also participated in a few different accelerators as well. LOI being a, a very key one. Um, League of Innovators, if you're into entrepreneurship, definitely go check it out. At any stage of entrepreneurship that you're in, they have programs for everyone, but those have also helped to just kind of you know, teaching us best business practices and everything to help us succeed. Yeah, that's awesome. I can truly see why you would say just get started. You know, you took the chance on that internship program over the summer and look where it's led. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, I was very glad that I was pushed, very forcefully pushed into doing it, but I was very, I'm very grateful that, that uh, she did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other questions, Allison? I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also another question that I was uh, that I wanted to ask is, are you planning to expand your business internationally? Yeah, that's something we definitely want to do. So, um, right now, so our kind of plan is, you know, in the next year or so, really expand across Canada and then eventually move into the U.S. Um, and then once we're kind of in the U.S. and have kind of good revenue from the bars, that's when we want to start working on 
uh, some new products. Um, I don't entirely know. Like we have some ideas, um, different milks or like meat or fish alternatives. Maybe we'll come back to the ramen, um, <laughs> who knows? But our plan is really to expand this internationally because I think there's a lot of value. I don't know if you guys have watched Seaspiracy yet, but at the end of Seaspiracy, they they talk about how, you know, you just need to eat algae because fish get all their nutrients from algae. So I think there's, again, this is the food of the future. There's going to be a huge push for algae-based products. And so we really are trying to be at the forefront of that and, and lead that new wave of food. Mm-hmm. I think um, it'll definitely be one of those sustainable foods that becomes popular all around the world. Yeah, I think I, I agree. Like there's just like, there's definitely, you know, soy is definitely more sustainable, obviously than eating meat. And I mean, I'm by no means saying that we can just survive solely on algae alone. I know we need to eat other things. So I'm not by any means trying to say that, but even soy itself, I mean, I'm biased because I'm allergic. So I just hate soy, but um, you know, it uses a lot of land. It uses a lot of water. So, you know, eating soy is a lot better than, than eating beef or eating pork or eating chicken, but incorporating spirulina as well into that and kind of reducing that load on some of the other, while they are more sustainable than animal products, still not as sustainable as spirulina, I think is going to be so key. And I think we will just want something new and different. We definitely fit into that category. And I forgot to ask earlier, but how long did this uh, journey take from the moment you had the idea to like launching it? Yeah. So we started the summer of 2019 is when we started in that program. Um, it's where we met everyone. We all, it's where I met my co-founders. Um, and we basically spent the rest of 2019 just validating the idea. And then in 2020, that's when we really started focusing in on the MVP and refining that recipe, uh, to launch that MVP bar. And we launched that in the spring, late spring, early summer of 2020. Um, and then got enough kind of positive feedback about the bar over the summer of 2020. And we spent, we've kind of spent ever since just developing the two new flavors of our bars that are going to be launching soon. That's awesome. And uh, what flavors do you like currently offer of the bars? So the new flavors that we have, we have a classic. Uh, I don't really know how to describe the flavor, which is why it's called the classic. Um, So our bars have a date base. So it's dates, sunflower seeds, sunflower seed butter, and yakon syrup, which yakon is a root from the Andes. Um, And so it's, yakon syrup is basically like nothing, like there's no sugar in it, there's no carbs, there's nothing in it. So it just uses as kind of a binding agent on our end and spirulina. And so basically the, the classic bar is that with pumpkin seeds and sea salt. So I don't really know how to describe it. It's pretty davy, like it has this relatively strong date flavor. I mean, the spirulina comes through a little bit more than and other flavors but the classic and then we have a chocolate flavor um which is more of like a dark chocolate like a deep rich dark chocolate rather than a sweet chocolate which I really like that's my favorite by far it's it's not sweet it's nice and rich and deep it's like eating like a dark chocolate brownie is kind of what it tastes like it's really good and we're also working on a banana sesame flavor as well that one's not ready yet because banana is very hard to work with, like way harder than we anticipated. So that one's coming out probably in the fall. And how exactly or where do you produce your uh, bars? 
So with the MVP bars, we were producing them in a, just a commercial kitchen. So we just had to rent a kitchen space and we were making them all by hand. With these new bars, um, now that we're kind of doing this whole push into distribution uh, and scaling that up, we're producing at a co-packing facility. So it's, it's still like Devin and myself with a few other people going into a kitchen and just um, with a little bit more automation than not kind of asking everything by hand, um, producing these bars. And it's in a facility in outside of Calgary. Very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, those are all the questions. Renee, do you have anything to add? I think that just about covers it, actually. Mm -hmm. Yay. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Leaders Corner Season 1 Leaderpreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us and for all the insight about what it's like being a business owner as a university student. And of course, be sure to check out Algae. So you can follow us on Instagram. We're at Algae Foods and Algae is spelled A-L-G-I. Um, and as well as our website, which is also algaefoods.com. And I would encourage everyone to sign up for our email list uh, to get the, all the details about our pro new product launches. All right. And if you liked our conversation, be sure to check us out on YouTube for the video version of today's interview and leave a like or a comment with any feedback or request for future topics. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Be sure to stick around and connect with us at Leaders Fluent on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook, and stay tuned for the next episode. And always remember, leaders are made, not born. Bye! Bye. <laughs> hey, did you like this video? If so, click the subscribe button down below. And make sure you click the notification bell to get updates each time we post. And remember, you can listen to the entire episode on eight different platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out the links down below. Bye. Bye.